1: Hour number two is underway now at eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday, the 15th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. I will remind you once again, you do not have to pay your taxes by today. Uh, The extension was made to May 17th for almost everybody due to the ongoing economic calamity caused not by the coronavirus, but caused by the government in response to coronavirus. Uh, So if you are uh, worried about getting your taxes filed by midnight tonight, do not panic. You have another month. By the way, David Sprouse is running our board. Ford Forrest today just said something to me. He said, Boy, that uh, Reagan intro is kind of like the national anthem. Sometimes it just pumps you up. He's right. I listen to it twice a day, you know, at the top of each hour of this program. And um, there are some days where I just find myself kind of getting that hair on the back of the neck type of thing, the goosebump type of thing. It just is so inspirational. That's why I've been playing it for about four or five years out of the seven years we've been doing this show on WHK. So, um, uh, yeah, it does. It gets me fired up and it gets me inspired sometimes uh, to just press on. And sometimes we need exactly that. Okay, uh, let's bring in our regular Thursday guest at this hour, Dr. Everett Piper is a former university president. He is uh, currently a columnist for the Washington Times. He is also a best-selling author of Not a Daycare, and now on its way to becoming a bestseller as well, the sequel to or the follow-up to Not a Daycare called Grow Up. Uh, he is also a radio host in his native Oklahoma, and he joins us now on am 1420 the answer good morning dr piper how are you
2: i'm doing great bob good morning to you how's the book doing well it uh it's doing good and uh it, uh when it when it opened uh when it was released on the 13th on tuesday mm-hmm. it immediately jumped to number one in new releases in its category and um because i'm on shows like yours and the hosts are gracious enough to ask that question how's the book doing it gives me a chance to say again, go out and buy, grow up. Life isn't safe, but it's good, which is the sequel to Not a Daycare. And it's available now on Amazon.com or any other online bookstore. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's doing well. I, I just need to keep doing the media circuit like this and keep doing my dog and pony show and hopefully it will be ranked as a bestseller within a week or so.
1: Well I will remind anybody who missed our conversation last week we spent our whole 30 minutes last week talking about the book. Uh, If you missed that conversation with Dr. Piper last Thursday we will have a new one uh, on the same subject matter which is what that book means, what the subtitle means, how important that is tonight nationally as I sit in for Larry Elder. We'll have Dr. Piper on uh, this evening so make sure you're listening to that and uh, you'll get a real idea of what Grow Up is all about and hopefully will inspire you to uh, click on Amazon.com and make that purchase and make uh, um, uh, grow up uh, a bestseller as well, just like not a daycare was. All right, Dr. Piper, let's get to the news of the day, or at least some of the news of the day, and that, of course, will start with your weekly column for The Washington Times about progressive tolerance. I thought that was just the ultimate oxymoron. Progressives are absolutely not tolerant, and people who are tolerant are certainly not progressive. What are we talking about?
2: Well, you're right. So when I talk about progressive tolerance, I usually put tolerance in quotation marks because it's the antithesis of tolerance. They actually say they can't tolerate your intolerance, which makes them the most intolerant people in the discussion. So, again, the progressive worldview is always self-refuting it always is contradictory. It's always hypocritical. Not only are they not tolerant, they're not loving. They say that love trumps hate, but then they turn around and say, I hate those hateful people. They say that nothing can be known, but then they turn around and say they know nothing can be known. Again, this is just the it's comical. It's a clown show. It's the poster child. If you were to Google self-refuting, you'd see progressive tolerance as the poster child of that very worldview. So what I'm arguing in this article is, you know, tolerance is an inferior virtue. Tolerance says, I don't like you, I don't love you, I'll tolerate you. Whereas Christian charity, love is a superior virtue. Where tolerance says, I could care less what you do, I'll tolerate you, Christian love, charity says, I care deeply about what you do, enough to stand in your way and tell you to stop. So when people talk about love and tolerance being the same thing as if they're synonyms, no, they're not. They're antithetical to one another. They're antonyms. They're opposites. Because progressive tolerance really is very, very thoughtless and selfish. It's narcissistic. It's self-absorbed. It doesn't care about other people. It just tolerates them. And as you know, I've said this before. On my anniversary, I didn't send my wife, an I tolerate you card. And the reason I didn't do that is it wouldn't have ended very well. Again, tolerance, inferior, love is superior. And we need to reclaim the high ground in our debate with people by reclaiming the definition of words. And we could start with this issue of tolerance.
1: You know, Dr. Piper, you include in your column a reference to some people like me, but the ones in bigger platforms, Ben Shapiro, Dennis Prager, Candace Owens, Tucker Carlson, Greg Gutfeld, and others. You know, if they were truly tolerant and really, you know, lived to the definition of that word, they would invite the opinions of all of those individuals and myself and you, Dr. Everett Piper, so that they can say, well, I appreciate the dialogue and I appreciate your perspective and point of view. Here's mine. That's what tolerance is. They seek to silence all dissent. That's not tolerance. That's communism, quite frankly. That is totalitarianism. That is, you will not speak unless you are given permission to do so and only then will we evaluate your you know your ability to speak past it depending on what you say you know they don't welcome you know uh, opposing points of view for the purpose of coming to a common ground and understanding they want full on total control
2: absolutely it's um it's ideological fascism it is not intellectual freedom that's the nature of progressive postmodern tolerance it's fascism you must agree you must you must submit you must say what I say think what I think walk the way I walk look the way I look and if you don't you're verboten. We will cancel you. This is the childishness of cancel culture. We don't like what you say, so we're going to take our ball and go home. We won't play with you. We don't like your words. You make us feel unsafe. Therefore, you should be disinvited from coming to speak at our campus. This is the nature of our culture right now, and this is what I'm confronting And Grow Up. The Apostle Paul tells us, speak the truth because it's an objective reality. It's a fact, not your feelings, and Do so in love, not tolerance. in love. Loving people enough to confront them because debate is good. Disagreement is good. Ironing, uh, excuse me, iron sharpening iron is good. A little friction is good. No pain, no gain. Recognize that the debate is what the academy is supposed to be about, and disagreement and argument in a healthy, civil fashion is what adults do. Because your goal is to find out what's true, not to just tolerate people as they do stupid things.
1: Uh, very well said, Dr. Prepper. I'm going to take our break now, about three minutes earlier than we normally do, because I want to save room on the backside for two additional topics, including one that you and I have discussed at length. The NCAA, the National Collegiate Athletic Association, has essentially uh, admitted that to them, women do not exist. Women are not a reality. They're just a fantasy. They are what anybody decides that a woman is inside somebody's mind. And I'll let you explain. Well, actually, I'll explain that and let you react to that as we continue on AM 14. Twenty, the answer. Okay, ten twenty-one. Now we continue with our guest, Doctor Everett Piper, for his regular Thursday spot. Doctor Piper, you and I have talked in great uh, at great length about. Um, the trans wars that are going on in the trans agenda, particularly as it pertains to women's sports. A number of states have passed laws that uh, bar uh, biological males from competing against biological females. Famously, you talked about uh, Governor Kristi Noem in South Dakota uh, a couple of weeks ago because she decided to veto uh, a bill that she said was not going to allow her to defeat the NCAA, so she wanted to take on a different approach there, but Uh, Here's the latest uh, on the NCAA. Quote, the NCAA Board of Governors firmly and unequivocally supports the opportunity for transgender student-athletes to compete in college sports. This commitment is grounded in in our values of inclusion and fair competition. Dr. Piper, what is fair in competition about making biological females compete against physically superior biological males?
2: Nothing. Nothing. I said back in 2016, when North Carolina compromised on their bathroom bill, as it was called, that women's sports was dead. I was laughed at. I was mocked. I was maligned. I was accused of being hyperbolic. I was accused of exaggeration, being an alarmist, you know, chicken little, the sky is falling. That'll never happen. Well, here we are. Here we are. We're admitting as a culture that a woman does not have the right to her own sport. A woman does not have the right to her own bathroom. A woman does not have the right to her own scholarships, her own shower, her own facility, her own soccer field, her own basketball court. Essentially, what you just said is absolutely spot on. We've just declared that women are not real; they're they're not objective facts. All they are is fantasy, fabrications of a dysphoric male who wants to dress up and blackface women by putting on makeup and, by, by putting on makeup and uh, uh, exaggerating features of what they think a woman should look like and then take their dignity and their identity away. How in the world can the NCAA claim to be pro-woman, how can they claim to be feminist, if they deny the female and deny the feminine? We will see the end of the dignity of women in short order if we don't wake up and recognize that this is a clown show, this is a joke, this is the denial of reality, this is living in a fairy tale where leprechauns and unicorns are real, and women are
1: not. You know, it it literally is that. I mean, you know, what gets me is the, the reference to, quote-unquote, transgender student-athletes as a thing, as if this is a real being, uh, rather than a normal being with an abnormal psychological condition. You know, gender dysphoria. They're making it sound as though this is just, you know, there are boys and then there are girls and then there are others. People who actually are, are non-binary. They're not, they're boys on one day, girls on another day. They really feel psychologically like this one day, or this another day. They're, they're literally trying to make us enforce us accept this as a thing rather than there are only two genders. May, or sexes, I I dispute the notion that gender is different from sex. They just made it that way to to advance this agenda, but they refuse to acknowledge that there are just two different types of people: meaning boys, girls, males, females, XX versus XY chromosomes, etc. Um, in order to you know, and and just to acknowledge that those two sides may have psychological. Uh, um, uh, conditions that preclude them from understanding exactly who and what they are, instead we are literally giving them, and as you say, we are treating them as if they the the unicorn is real, as if the leprechaun is real and i don 't use that in a in a derisive way and it 's not intended to be you know any kind of an insult or a slight or a slur it 's just these are people with psychological conditions that need to be treated instead of being you know in fact and I know I'm going a little too long here, and I apologize, but this is so much, so much to this, so much grist for the mill, treating them in special ways and at the same time mistreating actual females who are treated so unfairly in this regard.
2: Well, and here's the thing. This is such an important topic. I was actually canceled from another conservative station because I spoke so boldly on this issue. It happened about two years ago. The management of that station said that, I had too much Jesus talk, number one, and number two, I had a strange fixation on this sexual issue, sexuality. I'm not the one fixated on this. This is not about sex. This is about human identity. This is about living in a land of make-believe. This is about science. This is about acknowledging the empirical facts of the female. This is about misogyny. This is about whether or not we will stand... against the degradation of women and support their rights, support their dignity, and support their identity. This isn't about sex. Here's why. There's a man in Virginia that just declared that he identifies as a deer. D-E-E-R. He identifies as a deer, which isn't very bright, by the way, because there are a lot of hunters in Virginia. (laughs) He identifies as a deer. There's a man in Texas who identifies as a dragon. You've covered that one. There's a man, I don't know where he lives, who identifies as a goat. He has prosthesis on his front legs, i.e. his arms, so that he can walk on all fours and graze out in the field with the goats. There's a man in Great Britain who identifies, he's probably 50, 55 years of age, he identifies as a 12 year old girl. He thinks he's Shirley Temple. Okay, is it loving for us to tolerate all of those, all of those feelings? All of those identities? Or would the loving thing be to do, would the loving thing for us to do, would that be to step in their way and say, you have a problem? We're going to help you with that problem. We're not going to tolerate you. Again, this is the issue of love and tolerance. It's not about sex, it's about human dignity and human identity.
1: That's, uh, that's what I was laboring to say in the word salad I just delivered a few moments ago. And that is very well said. We, we need to help these people through whatever their conditions are rather than normalizing them, uh, for the sake of quote unquote inclusion. And let's bring it to this now. The same LGBTQ movement that pushes this transgender issue and, uh, and, and in fact harms women in the process are the same ones who pushed for same-sex marriage. Now, when same-sex marriage was uh, allowed to become law by the Supreme Court in one of the most bizarre decisions that I think I've seen in my lifetime... Dr. Piper, many people said at the time you have just opened the floodgates. You talk about slippery slopes here. If man can marry man and woman marry woman, what about man, man, and woman? What about man, man, and man? What about three or four? And what about other strange, bizarre combinations? If love wins is the standard that we go by now, as long as two people love one another, then this has to be okay. I found this on your Facebook page, Dr. Piper. Parent sues New York for right to marry their adult child. This is what people warned of, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. And logically, now keep in mind, everybody listen, I'm not defending this. I obviously disagree with this man and what he's trying to pull off in the state of New York. But let's ask this question logically and legally. Why shouldn't he be doing what he's doing? Because if a male and a male can get married, if homosexuals have the right to to consensual relationships and consensual sex and consensual marriage, then why shouldn't an adult have the right to marry his adult child if it's consensual? Logically and legally, we opened up Pandora's box by redefining what marriage was all about, by dumbing down morality to nothing but your inclinations, your passions, your proclivities, your habits, what you want to do. If that's the standard of morality, then logically and legally, This guy has a point, and we should be scared to death because he might win. He might win, and then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, incest is no longer wrong. It's legal as long as it's consensual. And this isn't the first time this has happened. There was a professor from Columbia University who was on ABC News a few years ago because he was engaged in a consensual relationship with his adult daughter. And he said, his lawyer said on ABC— If homosexuals have the right, if heterosexuals have the right, then why don't these two adults have the same legal right? We don't define morality. Morality is given to us by God through revelation. It is not constructed by us as the result of our opinions and what we want. That's childish. An adult will live within the boundaries that he's given. Children never accept those boundaries, and they rebel against them constantly
1: briefly, uh, Dr. Piper, in Grow Up, which was released just two days ago, do you cover this topic in in much depth?
2: Absolutely. So if you want more on this, go buy Grow Up.
1: Uh, That's exactly what I need to do as well. I've read the excerpts. I have not read the entire thing cover to cover, so I need to do exactly that. And we will discuss this tonight on the Larry Elder Show in more depth as well. Dr. Everett Piper, terrific job. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon
2: blessing take care
1: all right that's dr everett piper it's 10 30 time for news on the other side of that news we will uh take your phone calls 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110 right here
2: have a question for bob a comment a complaint hit up the authority message line call 216-525-1806 and make your voice heard that's 216-525-1806 call the authority message line
1: All right, 10.36, I've got 24 minutes of Outstanding Awesome left for you in this broadcast. A little note, I will have three hours more of Outstanding Awesome for you tonight uh, during the Larry Elder Show. The sage is off tonight. I will be sitting in. I was going to sit in for him tomorrow as well, but I will not be available tomorrow for his show or mine, as I will be on a college tour. And so, uh, no, I'm not going back to school. But, uh no, uh Rob Walgate will be sitting in for me tomorrow on this program. Very much looking forward to uh Rob, and I'm sure you are as well. He does such a great job. He's filled with information from the Ohio Roundtable. So, Rob Wal- Walgate will take you through our Friday broadcast, and I'll be back with you on Monday. So, just 24 minutes left of the week on this show. And then make sure you're with me tonight for three hours uh, on the Larry Elder Show. So, I want to ask you a question going into this last half hour, or this last now 23 minutes. To fill in this blank, fill in the blank here to this statement, I put this on my Facebook page two nights ago, and it received 243 answers, and I want to share some of them with you, and then I want you to share your answer with me at 216 right now, or 888 And the statement is the following, and actually, let me preface it real fast. You see, when I do this radio program on a daily basis, I find myself in, you know, in a bit of a conundrum. There are so many grave issues and threats to this republic, and I, I, kind, of, I kind of take the same approach as Larry Elder when he starts his show every day with uh, uh, We've Got a Country to Save. I feel that way. I feel like conservative talk radio has long, long, long outlived uh, its entertainment value. You know what I mean? Conservative talk radio or news talk radio, you know, hey, our job is to entertain. Our job isn't to save the world. Well, given the attacks <laughs> um, on our country and on our people and on our military and on our culture and on our society and so forth by the left from big tech to the media and so forth to education, given the attacks, we really do need to use conservative talk radio as a means, as a kind of a tool <clears throat> to save the country. I think Larry Elder's right. So to that end, every day I do the show, I have a conundrum. Which of these extraordinary issues do I focus on now? The assault on our First Amendment, which is massive. The assault on our Second Amendment rights, which is massive. The assault on our educational system, which is indoctrination. The assault on our ability to communicate, which is big tech silencing conservative voices. The assault on our own knowledge base by way of the press, which lies to us continuously or spins stories or only tells half the truth, or half the stories, rather, in keeping the truth from us. Maybe it's, um, uh, maybe it's f- the, the foreign powers that we are essentially folding to, caving to. For example, communist China owns Joe Biden, owns Hunter Biden, and by extension then owns the United States. I mean, all of these issues one could argue, are the most important issues and the most dangerous things that we face. So my statement slash question on Facebook was the greatest threat facing our country today is blank. Now, I thought out the wording of that before I put it there. I didn't want to say, what's the biggest issue, blah, blah, blah. The greatest threat facing our country today is blank. And i want to share some of the responses with you while you consider how you answer that question. It doesn't have to be one word. It can be a statement. It can be a paragraph. 216 901 I want to hear from you. Some of the responses that I got, and I want to give you some of my responses to those are ignorance the greatest threat facing our country today is ignorance uninformed americans ed wrote liberal snowflakes and the democrat party terry wrote the new world order brad just said the left scott said itself the greatest threat facing our country today is itself i would need more in-depth response than that i think people some some of these people thought it had to be limited to one word it doesn't Bruce said, teen unemployment. The Pope said so, so it must be true. <laughs> okay, so that's, uh, that's tongue-in-cheek. Good. Tim says, the greatest threat facing the United States today is entitlement. Mo says, the media, one of the elements that I just talked about. Jason said, global warming. Joseph said, lobbyists. They have corrupted our entire government with their payouts. Dave says, hate. Because hate divides, and with division, nothing can be accomplished in a positive manner. I want to respond to that one, um, because I like it. And it it begs um, expansion of that idea. And this is going to sound just totally selfish and self-serving and partisan, but I really truly believe it. And if you can prove me wrong, by all means, dial me up and prove me wrong. Change my mind, as the saying goes. Hate is what is... Is, is just thriving in the Democrat Party and the left side of our political ideological spectrum. They are literally trying to, as Dave says, divide. And with division, nothing can be accomplished. They are trying to divide this country along racial lines, trying to divide this country along gender lines, trying to divide this country along educational lines, and so on and so forth. And it is driven purely by hate. I firmly believe that. Look at the way the far left and the mainstream media, which, again, I repeat myself, treated Donald Trump supporters for four years. And now, really, even even into this first year of, of Biden, looking back, treating Donald Trump supporters as if they are less than human as if they are communists, if they, as if they are fascist rather, as if they are racist, et cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, it is purely hate driven with an intent to divide this country so, you know uh, irreparably that they can see the Republic crumble and rebuild the Marxist state that they see. As, uh, as you know, being their utopia, which would be a dystopia, but which they see as being uh, exactly what they want—massive amounts of power being given to the big government in which they will participate and keeping everybody else subservient. All right, Jim says, and again, this is in response to the greatest threat facing our country today is Jim says our youth—they have been indoctrinated with this sense of entitlement and victim mentality. This makes them easy to manipulate. I uh, I cannot disagree. It's it. You could make that argument that it is the one issue as bad as or worse than any other. Our our future is in the hands of our youth. I don't want to go Whitney Houston on you here and say I believe our, the children are our future, but they are. And if they are being indoctrinated with this sort of Marxist mentality and this anti-family mentality and anti-freedom mentality, yes, it is a grave threat to our country. Robert just says liberal demon rats. Bob says metastatic socialism. Marcia just simply says the left. Julie says the black budget government that not even the president is briefed on. That's getting into some depth there. No question about that. Um, Dan says liberal privilege. Terry says losing the integrity of our elections. Ding, 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 ding. That's what I spent the whole first half hour of the program talking about this power play, this, this hostile takeover of the entire country by way of um, you know, the, the voting rights. Voting reform that is put through in places like Georgia are, is, is slammed as being racist. It is uh, you know, accusing, It is being accused of pushing for voter suppression or disenfranchisement of minorities and so on and so forth. And if H.R. 1 is to be passed by the Senate... State after state after state would lose their rights to protect the integrity of the vote, and we would never win another election again. When I say we, I'm talking about conservatives and constitutionalists who truly want to, you know, defend and and uh, and respect the republic. Will never win a majority again. So well said, Brian says the greatest th- threat facing our country today is division: us against them, black against white. Um... Rich against poor, left against right, straight against gay, mask against unmasked, vax against unvaxed, etc., etc., etc. Well done, Brian. You hit most of them. Dawn says Russia, Russia, Russia. Dawn was being a clown there. She actually put the laughy faces in. Uh, Rick says stupidity. Wow, that one might grab me more than the others. That one might be more accurate than the others. General, overall stupidity. Look. I love my people. I love my family and I love my friends and I love my community members and I love my coworkers and I love I love Americans. But I'm I'm going to be honest, this is not an insult at an individual, but as a collective, we're not smart people. As a collective, we are easily manipulated. Easily manipulated. We often, as Americans, make our decisions and operate out of emotion rather than reason and rationale, rather than logic, rather than intellect. And I want to clarify something, too. When Rick says stupidity, there's a difference between stupidity and ignorance. Okay? Stupidity or being dumb Indicates an inability to process and gather and learn. To gather information, process it, use it, and learn from it. That's what stupidity stupidity and, and being dumb are. Ignorance is very different. Ignorance means I just haven't been made aware of something yet. I'm ignorant of that fact. I'm ignorant. It's not that I'm incapable of learning. I just haven't had that presented to me yet. And once I get that information, I'm able to process it and learn from it and use it and make evaluative decisions based on it. So stupidity is a very big threat to this country. Ignorance is different. We can educate the ignorant. And when I say educate, I mean actually inform, not indoctrinate. Stupidity, I mean, stupid people have caused a lot of, a lot of death and destruction, quite frankly, throughout this country's history. But ignorant people can be, they can learn. There is a difference, by the way, between being college-educated and thus indoctrinated and being smart. One can be educated and be stupid. One can be a college or a high school dropout and be smart. It's all a matter of perspective, I guess. Phillips says, corruption within our government. We are being destroyed by politicians who are supposed to be doing what's best for the country. Vern says, corruption in government. Bill says, senile president with a communist vice president and a Democrat control of Congress. In other words, yes, the current state of the federal government. Stephen said Biden and Kamala, and I will not read his euphemism for Kamala. Denise said, the one thing, and my question on Facebook was, the greatest threat facing our country today is, and she says, simply racism. The riots and the focus... Are feeding ignorance that had started to diminish. This goes along with Dave's thoughts on hate. That uh, why hate? See color. I'm sorry. Why hate? Why see color? Educate. Larry summarizes that Marxist ideology in all of its iterations: political, economic, cultural, environmental, multicultural, and critical race theory. Jeff says the left. And I'm not referring to people who are liberal. They are just as patriotic in general as conservatives. They're entitled to their opinions, and while I may disagree with them, I respect them. I am talking about the left, people who are intolerant of anyone who disagrees with them, trying to suppress them through cancel culture, labeling them racist, bigots, etc. The left is every bit as ignorant, intolerant, and bigoted as the KKK, neo-Nazi groups, etc. The only difference is the specific objects of their bigotry. Worse yet, they are hypocrites. White supremacy groups admit they are bigots. The left pretends they are not. Uh, Tom says the woke. Susan just says Biden. Thomas says, wow, here's a newbie and maybe a be- the best one yet. It's in the conversation. Tom says, Thomas says godlessness. The gravest threat to our country today is godlessness. We have removed God from our lives, from our society, from our schools, from our, what guides us, you know, from our, our values. And when that is restored, that could be the repair, the ultimate repair job. That's a really, really great uh, answer. The increasing inability, says Jeff, or interest in critical thinking, self-explanatory. Agreed. Tom says globalization. One could make a case for that as well. Uh, Tammy joins somebody else in saying stupidity. Steve says ignorance, ignorance of true history, ignorance of economics, ignorance of how our government is supposed to work, etc. And like I said, I think that's less damaging because ignorant people can be educated. They can be told. They can be made aware of things. Stupid people, on the other hand, dumb people, closed-minded people cannot. Ignorant people you can work with. Complacency, some of the answers I got here before we take our break. Complacency. The government, the enemy media, which I always like that phrasing, the enemy, the media, the enemy media, entitlements, the Democrat Party, the evil, godless, anti-American, violent criminal supporting America, last criminal, illegal invader, (laughs) illegal invader supporting Demokami Party. Wow, that's a mouthful, Keith, but I'll take it. Uh, and there's more. Uh, I, I, I obviously I can't get to them all. I told you there were two hundred forty-three of them, but I wanted to read some of them because some of them are good, some of them are thought-provoking, some of them are just flat, you know, flat-out. Hey, it's the left; they're to blame for everything. Uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on it, though. Two one six. And I do get carried away in reading these. My apologies. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Get in now. We'll get you up before we're done on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. All right, 1055. My apologies to all of the callers who have been on hold. Two things happened. One, I got carried away with reading the responses on Facebook, and number two, my call screen has been glitching over the last uh, 40 minutes or so, so I couldn't see your names anyway. So my apologies there. Let's get a few in before we're done. Derek in Richfield. Uh, Derek, go ahead. You're on the air.
3: Hi, good morning. Thank you. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, you're right. There are so many issues to talk about, and yeah, I usually find... Uh, you know, if I'm on hold, then yeah, you'll be discussing something. I'll, you know, have a point, but, um, you know, just to add to it. But yeah, I don't want to, uh, take away from why I originally called. But, um, but just with what you're discussing with Dr. Piper, um, yeah, you know, the trans, this, uh, gender dysphoria, it really is like talking to someone who's anorexic and encouraging them to lose weight. Um, but so my main reason was, um, the discussion yesterday. You know, I, I'm, I don't know if if you've already brought this up or if somebody else has, or I missed it, but you know, in North Royalton there is the policewoman, uh, Officer Lexi, and you know, and this is you know recent where she was uh, she was overpowered by you know um, by by some man, and I mean he just brutalized this officer. I mean to the point of trying to gouge her eyes out with his thumbs, and you know he got like the they gave him the Lightest sentence they could and you know he wasn't so it just adds you know adds to your point there were no weapons involved he wasn't armed he was just so much physically stronger than her um and it was really just a shame what happened to her but um you know i mean just also wanted to say just from personal experience so my wife and i we spent time uh, traveling to latin america um, tell, I'll, t- I'll, tell you, tell. I'll tell you what, Derek,
1: I'm going to interrupt here only because it sounds like you're about to start a story that I don't have time for. Call me okay. back and tell me the rest of that story. But thank you for uh, the point that you just made about overpowering. It doesn't have to be somebody with a gun that is a threat to an officer's life. It can s- simply be somebody who's bigger and stronger and able to physically uh, overpower someone. Thank you for the phone call. I do want to get a few other people in before we're done, though, including Lisa in uh, Medina. Lisa, go right ahead.
4: Hey. Good morning. I uh, I saw that post last night, and mine was communism. Um, that's a very broad statement, and everything you said, I think, was like a symptom or a, a result or, you know, they, all those things go hand in hand. And I'm not even sure to say communism. I almost want to say globalism um, because it's all kind of mushing together, um, and especially in education. I watched that state board uh, this week, and they actually made statements saying that that we are a racist country and it was founded on slavery. Now, this is, uh, members of the state board are just publicly saying this over and over until everyone believes it. Please don't let them get away with this. Take a look at the Ohio Channel. You just go to OhioChannel.org. And and watch some of the, uh, especially Tuesday's meeting. It was on Monday and Tuesday. You can either look at the public participation or maybe towards the end um, where they're doing their uh, old news and uh, uh, things to report out. It, it, it'll take your breath away.
1: No, I believe it. And I think I think you could very easily have answered that question on my Facebook page with communism or globalism or education, just education, because all of it stems from that point and expands outward. Uh, Lisa, thanks You're for done. the phone call. Listen, I apologize to everybody who I left on hold. Like I said, we had a tech glitch on the call screen, uh, and we got wrapped up in uh, comments. So uh, make sure you join me tonight. I'll be live on the Larry Elder Show tonight from 6 to 9 p.m., 7 to 10 here in Cleveland. We'll see you then. Bye.